good Wednesday morning, and today we're going to be hearing from Dr. John. He just got back from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He talked to a church there. He talked with healthcare workers. One talk in particular caught my interest as one of the gentlemen who was talking after John was talking about uh, direct primary care. And so now we're just going to kind of talk about that. Yeah, it's a concept that's growing. I think because the woke elite who rule everything want or want to rule everything, have no concept of what medicine is really about because they have only technological and quasi-scientific understanding, they wouldn't be able to begin to understand the question, why do you think people went to the doctor when there was no benefit to them in terms of living longer until the 1860s? In fact, the people who went to the doctor were more likely to die in the next little while. So why did they go? They went because they knew they were sick, and nobody can live with that kind of, well, very few people can live with that kind of anxiety when they know there's somebody who might know something about it. So they actually went in order to know what their problem was. Now, I've seen this many times in the developing world, particularly in Jamaica, where sometimes uh, uh, a guy from deep in the, the backwoods of Jamaica knew he was sick, and he didn't have any much ready cash, but he, he'd spend it to come all the way to uh, Kingston and then out to the university hospital campus and get his ticket and wait in line for a 15-minute interview. If he got me, he was lucky because the interview would last as long as I wanted it to since I wasn't being paid and I was giving my services as a contribution to Jamaican healthcare. And a not infrequent phenomenon... Uh, was due to a combination of things, uh, a lot of white lightning, raw, raw, raw rum, uh, plus occasionally eating moldy peanuts, so not completely free of mold peanuts, which can contain one of the most potent carcinogens known to man, aflatoxin. So um, this, this gentleman came in that I'm thinking of and... Uh, he just wanted to know what was wrong with him. He said, I'm not right. And uh, I examined him. I didn't even need to do any tests because I could feel his liver and I could feel a rock-hard bit of it. And actually, I put my stethoscope on over that, knowing that if I could hear it rubbing backwards and forwards, it could only be one thing, and that's cancer in the liver that had come through the envelope of the liver and was now rubbing up against the peritoneum. He'd got months to live at the longest. So, and staying in Kingston, he couldn't afford to do anyway. He could stay in the hospital, but we couldn't do anything in those days about that anyways. So I had to say, well, there's good news and bad news. Which you want first, of course, you want the good news. I said, well, the good news is I know what's wrong with you. Um, the bad news, I'm sorry to have to tell you, and I stretched it out a bit to make it as gentle as possible, but basically I had to tell him, you have got secondary liver cancer that's spreading from the liver and you will not live that much longer. I can't be very accurate, but months would be my guess. And what do you think he said? He said, thank you. Because now he knew, he didn't know why he was saying thank you, but he knew that he got, he, he was right to, to say I'm not right. But now he knew, okay, my time's nearly up. He could go back and tell other people and get his life in order. And the last six weeks of our lives, 
is a period of life when more reconciliation goes on between people than in most of the rest of our lives. So, of course, the liberal elite want to get rid of that because they only think about the dollars. So if they could get us all to die six weeks earlier than we currently do, they say, well, according to the statistics, and that's true at first sight, uh, we'll save a lot of money because we spend an undue proportion of our total lifetime healthcare costs in the last six weeks, last three months, whatever, the last bit of our lives. So shorten it, save that money. But the amount of psychological and spiritual damage you'll do by shortening that process, uh, you won't be able to pay for the cost in terms of people who lose their way in drugs and alcohol and grief and all the rest not properly handled. That, but that's who we have running our, our lives now, and that's who we elect. People who have, have no deep story of humanity. That was COVID. And now it's coming out in spades. And the psychological consequence is going to be immense. So one of the responses to this amongst physicians has been to try and look for other models. And in the States, you've still got some flexibility. And one of them is to drop out of the system, not to take Medicare or any of that, and just do fee-for-service, usually with a small um, registration, you know, a 100 bucks a month or something like that, to keep him going in the interval. But what you get for that is 24-hour on-call with your doctor. He can afford to do that. It's not going to. It's going to break up his his life occasionally. But people don't do, die every ten seconds. And you know, if you if if your kids have a a minor problem falling off the swing, but you can't stop it bleeding, well, he'll come out and put a stitch in himself. You don't have to sit in in the ER for five hours to get a stitch in uh, or two. Uh, and uh, you pay for what he, the services he gives you, not for anything else. And that should be hugely appealing to people in the church because the single, one of the single, well, let's, let's be honest, I used to say the single best indicator, but we're probably getting more sophisticated now, so I should say a very good indicator, and I'm perfectly safe on that, of a cheap family for health care is a letter from your priest or pastor saying that you are in church three Sundays out of four. Because if you are committed to a church community in that way, your total lifetime healthcare costs are about 25% of the average. That's a pretty big saving. Currently in America, Christians are paying charity by order of the government and not even getting a charitable reduction because you're paying three times as much as you should on average. Now, that um, process has been thought about. There's one lovely uh, lady I got to know, a doctor in uh, uh, where, New Jersey. We were talking about this at a conference many years ago uh, and about the ways in which you might do it. And uh, She was uh, doing um, voluntary work for the poor with her husband, who also a doctor, and they could afford to do one day a week. And when we'd finished our conversation, and I'd pointed out how much cheaper we are, um, and that there's more that, that can be done in this area, she actually ran against Chris Christie for, for governor just to talk to him, really. And the first step she made was to say, look, we are vastly more 
efficient than your social services, my husband and I. The only reason we can only do one day a week is we still have to pay the same sort of um, insurance for what we do for the indigent poor as we do for patients. But they will never sue us. They never do. And if you would pick up that insurance risk, which you don't even have to fund being the government, you can just give it. Um, we could do two days a week easily or more. And Chris Krisky, being a shrewd man, said, that's a good deal. I'll arrange it. So that was a step forward. But what I was pointing out to her is that uh, we need to go back into the church to rebuild uh, the healthcare system. Because in the church is where you find these people who are basically much more healthy than the rest of Africa, uh, the rest of America. Uh, Africa's on my mind because my daughter's in the middle of that cyclone at the moment. Um, and uh, so we need to run our own system. I've always wanted to have a system that is independent of the state, and this is one way to start doing it because the insurance companies think they've got it all locked up and we can't afford to set them up, and we can't with all the legal things that they've attached to the whole process, much of it to protect their own bailiwick. But what, and the first experiments have been done, and, and they're working, and they, they'll be refined. What you need to do is to get all the people in your church that are interested in the churches around. You only need about 700 to make it, 700 people who will sign up to make it work. Um, and what you do then is you, as usual, set up an organization with the usual things so that you can uh, keep it on, on the, the straight and narrow. But you don't, you don't give any money to anyone. You just give a small fee to run a small office. Uh, this is not an insurance company. So you set up also an account for yourself, for your family, uh, for your health care costs, the general ones. Uh, yeah, you go to um, send your IRA statement in and they'll say what percentage of that it would be reasonable to put aside in a separate account uh, year by year. And most years you won't use everything that's put in that account. But every now and again, somebody else in the group will run their account dry because they've got cancer or something like that. What they do then is send their account, their bills, into the office. The office looks through all your... They know what the state of your account is, and they say, oh, you've got some money in hand. And they send you. They call you or send you a note saying, Mrs. X, and you get the name, and you, you almost certainly will pray for them, and you'll probably ring them and talk to them. And, and of course, you have the great pleasure of helping them through this difficult patch. And so you're building community at the same time. And it works. Uh, the only people who are very sceptical about it, of course, are pastors and priests because they know just how crooked, especially the Catholic priests, how crooked some of their congregation are. Um, but you can carry that much burden. Some people will will bend it. And you've got to be very careful that you, that you know what kind of people you let into the system because you'll get people, if they could come in and get that without doing anything else, they'd come to church. This has got to be people who are known in the congregation and trustworthy because they're the, they're the special group. 
And part of the reason, of course, is that the nearer you get to a big city, by the time you get to the ghettos of a big city, 100% of the of the patients coming to the doctor have got at least an element of guilt because of bad behaviour in their disease. You go out into the country, it gets less. Um, virtue matters. And you can build a system on it. We All our system is built on virtue, really. And when virtue goes, the system will go down. It is going down because we don't trust one another enough. So we try to solve moral problems through technological solutions, and that won't work. The days in America where nobody locked their doors have gone, and they're only in rural areas does it still persist. But when you first began... Ah, you, you had your crooks, but you knew who they were. But most people trusted one another. Of necessity, small communities got together, organized themselves. That's what amazed the Tocqueville. The community spirit of rural, small-town America, still there. I mean, I, I've enjoyed this last I went on. I got there on Wednesday and I left yesterday morning. Um, I really enjoyed being with the church, being with ordinary folk who were, very, very appreciative and supportive of what I was saying and doing. And Hospitality was fantastic. I lived with a family for a few days, about your sort of age, but with, uh, what is it now? I've got to add them up. Anyway, they got twins who were identical, and one of them has considerable uh, physical burden to carry. Lovely girl, very sweet. They've even adopted a, a, a refugee, not a refugee, an abandoned child of a child not being properly looked after in Hungary. Their, their boys are getting ready for university towards the end of high school, and uh, the girls in between that are healthy are doing well. They're all in a Christian school. But it, it was a pleasure to be with them, and in fact, with the whole church. You know, whether that's of interest to you. Probably will be because people like personal content. Thank you, Dr. John. Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. And if you have any questions about that, feel free to write in. With that being said, have a great Wednesday. Mm-hmm.